This is episode number 363 with President and CEO at Aring Analytics, Pianka Jane. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to Super Day Sense Podcast, everybody. Super excited to have you back here on the show. Are you ready for a roller coaster of knowledge? This is going to be a lot of fun. I just got off the phone with Pianka Jane, and you will be overloaded with information about analytics and data science. Uh, literally, I have so many notes and so much in my head. I probably need to sit down and process this for uh, quite a bit of time. So, Pianka is. Uh, the founder, president, and CEO of Aring Analytics, an analytics consulting company uh, where they provide services to um, enterprises and businesses on how to be better with data science, data-driven uh, decision-making. Also, Pianka is an author of a uh, of several books now, of multiple books, um, best-selling books, which you can find on Amazon. We'll talk about uh, one of the books during the podcast. Pianca is also a writer for publications like Forbes, Harvard Business Review, Inside HR. She has keynoted many conferences around the world. And also, Pianca is an educator. So they have data science courses on Aring.com. Uh, they have a whole academy of data science where they provide certifications and help people get into the space of data science. So as you can tell, Pianca is involved in many aspects of data science. And what exactly are we going to be talking about in this episode? <laughs> there was so much to choose from. There were so many questions I had, so many topics we could have gone into. There's virtually or impossible, it was virtually impossible to cover everything. So what did we cover? Well, we talked about, among other things, a very important framework called Badder, uh, a framework that Pianca developed herself uh, it's B-A-D-I-R, and this is a framework that allows you to do data science in a very thought-through way. According to Pianca, with this framework, you can do lean data science, you can do data science much quicker than normal, you can deliver results faster because you're thinking things through. Not often do you hear about data science frameworks. I found this one very interesting, especially how it uses hypothesis-based data science. In this podcast, you'll get an acquaintance with this framework. And if you'd like to learn more about it, you can always follow up and check out the book or other resources. In addition to that, uh, we'll talk about pu putting courses into context and what that means and how you can do that for yourself and why you would need to do that. SWAT teams in data science and how to know if your team is a SWAT data science team, uh, how to do lean data science and what percentage of data science projects fail and why. You'll actually be very surprised at the number. In addition to that, we talked about the four components of data culture and how they come hand in hand, how do they enable each other, and we discussed the difference between decision science and data science. So there we go, a podcast full of value. Can't wait to get started. So without further ado, I bring to you President and CEO of Aring, Bianca Jane. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, everybody. Super excited to have you back here on the show. And today's guest is calling in from California. Welcome to the show, Bianca Jane. How are you today? 
I'm great and excited to be here. Very excited to have you. And this was like a first for me because before the start of the episode, you asked me a ton of questions about the audience, about how you can help our listeners better and all these other things. I, I normally don't have that. So uh, very excited. I can tell right away you have an inquisitive mind and that probably serves you quite well in your career in data science, doesn't it? It does. A curious mind is a good data science mind. For sure. That's a, that's a great, um, great motto. Um, how are things going in California these days? Uh, things, are, things are good. We are all sheltered in um, and it, it's a good thing. And hopefully we are able to contain COVID soon. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, otherwise things are good. Uh, you know, we're doing, we're all doing what we need to be doing with social distancing and so on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, hopefully it does go, do go, go past uh, quite quickly with these new measures. Um, but I've had a look at your career background and it's extremely impressive from having a published book to being a CEO of a company that does both consulting uh, for companies like, uh, as far as I understood, Google, Box, Apple, General Electric, and many others. Also, you do education in the space of data science. Like, you are everywhere in the space of data science. Tell us a bit about yourself. For somebody who had a, hasn't met you before, how, how would you describe what you do? Ah, uh, thank you so much for your kind words. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I'm just getting started, but um, for those who are uh, listening in and, and want to know a little bit more about me, I am all about practical data science. I really believe in the power of data. And for me, data plus intuition, because we are all intuitive beings. And if we can marry data to that, we can really optimize our decisions. And and, and that's that goes all the way from corporate decisions as a marketing manager, as a business manager, to data scientists, to all the way to our internal as our, you know, as personal human beings, you know, you want to, you want to achieve something, you want to climb Mount Everest, you have to use data. Um, and that's how you're going to be able to, you know, manage and optimize your progress and your decisions. So um, I really believe in that. And, and I think that's what uh, I evangelize. And that is what, uh, you know, I think I hope to share the, I have to be infectious about <laughs> my <laughs> passion for data science today. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. Interesting thing uh, just ran through my mind when you're saying that indeed, like if you're going to climb Mount Everest, you're going to use data. It might sound strange at the start, but when you, when I think about it, you're going to use data on, okay, I've climbed this other mountain, you know, maybe you'll be doing training, you'll be measuring your pulse, you'll be measuring how tired you get, how much endurance you have, how much water you consume, how much oxygen you breathe, and data will definitely get you there. And the interesting thing that went through my mind was some people might say that if you just use data in everything from business to personal life to sports, eventually you'll you'll be like a robot like you won't you won't have any emotion empathy any like kind of random chance that comes with life that is normal what would you say to people who have that opinion uh i have a lot to say about that one is that i you know when we talk about data we don't talk about data driven as in just believe on data we always talk about hypothesis driven data driven decision making what does that mean what that means is you want to bring your whole self, your intuition and the intuition of your colleagues, of your stakeholders to the bearing and then form your form, what is needed from the data uh, and then prove, disprove your hypothesis. So 
for us, data science or the this aspect of being able to apply, putting data to work is all about uh, marrying data to intuition that you already have. So, for example, if you're a marketing manager, you probably have some really good intuition about your uh, about your audience, uh, about you know what what works for them, what products they like, and so on. Let's use that intuition you have, the context you have of you have as well as your team members as well as your stakeholders, and then. Uh, form a hypothesis driven. I, we we teach a framework called Bade that's all, also there in my book, Behind Every Good Decision, for those who are interested in knowing more about it. It's called BADIR is the name of the framework. And we talk about how if, for, for you to be effective and efficient in data, data science and analytics, you basically lay out a hypothesis driven plan. So even before you touch data, you lay a hypothesis-driven plan. You talk about, you think about what are the things. If you are solving a problem, like you know, going back to our, our, you know, our personal world. Let's say you were going to go look for treasure in Pacific Ocean. Uh, there are two approaches to it, right? One is, you know, I am, I'm, I'm going to be just, uh, you know, just going to jump in because I want to experience the world. So I'm just going to jump in and start swimming in the ocean, and and hopefully one day I will run into a treasure. How likely is that, Kirill? Zero <laughs> percent. Yeah, right. Like you have to be super lucky. You're, you know, you're relying on luck, and you know, you're relying on, uh, and and you and you're actually giving up your power because you know, for anybody who sh- sets sail on Pacific Ocean, you have limited resource. Like maybe you have one month supply. So you're basically saying, oh, I have one month supply, but I'm going to set sail. You're risking that one month supply because you don't even know. I mean, maybe you had infinite supply. An infinite time, uh, maybe someday you will run into an, a treasure. But on the other hand, if you are like uh, Sherlock Holmes and you are a detective and you lay out hypotheses, what does hypothesis mean? Basically, you have good ideas of where the treasure could be. So you look up <clears throat> past, uh, you know, past shipwrecks, past routes, uh, the depth of the ocean, all of that, and you you figure out, you narrow down. These are the most likely spots. And, and the reports, news reports of where treasures were, debris was collected and so on. And then you narrow down, these are the five most important or 10 most important spots, most likely spots for treasure. And you go there and then you send your deep, deep sea divers or your submarines down there. You're more likely to find that. And at least you would, you would fail faster as well. You would have looked at those 10 spots. You would know within 10 days or whatever else, okay, this, I, I don't have it. Now what's my next plan forward versus, you know, Versus just kind of going, right? Gotcha. So that is what what we talk about. When we talk about um, data driven, we talk about hypothesis driven, da- hypothesis based, data driven. So going back to your, do, do, will we become a robot? Uh, we are human beings and we are spiritual beings. We can't quite become robot. However, you also don't want to uh, just rely on data. And I have seen people who are so data-driven that they leave their intuition behind. And they come up with these uh, results sometimes, even in the business as well as in personal. And, you, and we look at it and you're like, this does not even make sense. This does, the, you know, the, my, my entire being rejects what you are concluding. And that's my intuition, right? So you never want to leave the intuition. Intuition is a big part of us. Intuition is what keeps us safe. Intuition is when you're going up the Mount Everest and, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're beginning to feel not so good. You look up your uh, VOX meter and you say, oh, what's my, uh, you know, my oxygen level, the, what I'm absorbing is dropping, right? 
if you didn't have intuition if you're not paying attention you won't even know and before no before you know you would have fainted before you even can look at your data right Gosh, so yeah. you you need to bring your whole self uh to this game data science is not about just data it's about bringing your entire self um to this to this to the to the table Fantastic. Thank you for the round on it. Uh, it was a great uh, way to see how data science can be combined with the intuition. I think a lot of us will agree that both um, have place. And I actually want to talk a bit a bit more about your BADIR framework. So I read about it. So the B-A-D-I-R. What, what do those letters stand for? And what is this framework all about? Yeah, so the BADIR uh, is an acronym. Uh, for these five steps, and they stand for business question, analysis plan, data collection, insights, and recommendation. And if you mm -hmm. notice, uh, the part about data collection is step number three. So many people mm -hmm. think, when they think about data science, they think about, oh, let's start with data. But it doesn't start with data. Good analytics, good data science project doesn't start with data. It starts with business question, refining uh, and flushing out what you really want to uh, find out. What is it? What is it? Your question are are uh, you know a, what a, you know? For example, a question could be uh, why is our sales dropping, or why are our customers churning, or why is our conversion uh, down, or um, can we optimize our conversion? Can we improve our user acquisition? Um, in what ways can we improve our loss ratios, and so on. So those can be the questions, and you and the the point about having a full step for it is basically you know there is an ask that comes in uh, to, to the stakeholder or the first thought if you're a, a marketing manager and you're yourself a citizen analyst, which means you are part of your work, you are, you are doing data science, which almost all of us are right now uh, in the world these days in the business world. The language of business is data, and so. Everybody is speaking the language of data, and if they're not, they're being left behind. So, uh, you know, everybody sort of is is uh, sort of having some access to data, and the, and the and the first thought that comes to your mind as you think about, oh, I need to do uh, my next campaign, or I need to figure out whether this feature works or not. That's an early question, and even if you are a data scientist, if somebody asks you a question, it's an early question. You need to define it through the business question framework to come to the real business question. And that refinement has many aspects. It's about who, who's, what actions somebody is ready to take. If you find the insights with it, um, there is the, what, who are the stakeholders? And there are many, many aspects, um, on, both on the data science side as well as the decision science side. Uh, and so that's business question. Then, the, then you lay out a, a hypothesis-driven analysis plan. You, you ask yourself and the stakeholders, what is the solution? So if, if the question was, um, why are, why are our customers churning? Then many people have, will have some good ideas. Your stakeholders may have good ideas like, oh, you know, uh, we have recently increased our price and that's causing some churn. Uh, our ticketing system is not working that well. Or, you know, uh, our policies have changed recently. Um, or the customers are churning because we, uh, you know, post uh, 90 days, there are these things that we do that is not working well, and on, so on and so forth. You have lots of good hypotheses. It's like, uh, you know, good spots that you would, going back to our Pacific Ocean uh, trilogy, it's going back to where, where you're going to look deeper. So these are good hypotheses. And then you lay out an analysis plan with hypotheses, with your methodology, with your assumptions, with your 
data and criteria to prove disproven. There's a bunch of stuff. And from there comes out your data specification, which means if this is a question and these are my hypotheses and these are my assumptions, facts and, and uh, you know, my methodology and so on. Um, and by methodology, I mean, you know, your specific uh, approach to data science. So are you going to use aggregate analysis? Are you going to go correlation analysis? Are you going to go deeper into um, using probably some predictive analytics like statistical methods? Or you're going to go even deeper and use machine learning, whatever else. So you, you're, you know, you're laying out, is it a classification problem? Is it a regularization problem? You're laying it out right there and saying, how far am I going to go? And that's also a function of, it's a function of data. It's a function of time you have. It's a function of uh, precision you need and so on. So there's a lot of things going on. These are all planning stages. Remember, you have not yet touched the data, right? Mm -hmm. And most people, most data scientists and others, when they think about data science, they think about, oh, where's the data? Let me pull that data in Excel or let me uh, read .csv in Python, whatever else. But that's not where, where data science starts from. Data science starts from question, uh, flushing out the question, lay out, laying out a hypothesis-driven plan. And when you're laying out a hypothesis-driven plan, it also means you are, you are aligning with your stakeholders uh, to say, this is what my plan is going to be. This is how much time it will take. This is blah, blah, blah. Are we in alignment? When you have a handshake, that's when you go to the most time-consuming step of getting data and then validating it and triangulating and cleaning it up. That's all time-consuming. Then start doing in your analysis. So the insight step is also, if you have a recipe for doing insights versus versus what many people do, which is they set sail in the ocean of data and they start looking for treasure, which is a pretty bad idea because it takes you a long time and your likelihood of finding treasure is also really low. So what we recommend is now that you've done all this work, you have laid out a hypothesis, you have collected data now and collect data, collected data, meaning you have collected only the data that you need versus saying, give me all the data you have. Now, because you have hypotheses, you've used that to you know, know where you exactly you're going to uh, dive deeper. Then the next step is use, use recipes uh, to derive insights. You know, if you're going to do correlation analysis, this is, these are the steps. If you're going to build a linear regression model, these are the steps. Or if you're going to go into gradient boosting, this is, these are steps. This is what you're going to do and, and so on, right? So you know what the steps are. Don't follow those steps and follow the recipe in a structured manner and come to your insights. At the end of it, share your early insights with your stakeholder and see if that's making sense. Then the last step of this Bader framework is recommendation. So you make recommendations um, or you, you uh, instrument your model uh, you productionalize your model, you instrument your insights, whatever have you. So, and that's also very important because I can't tell you how many good models I've seen sitting in shelf because people didn't know how to align with stakeholders, how to communicate your the, your findings to the right folks in the right way, in the right way, so that you can, um, you know, basically um, uh, inspire them into action. So, uh, that in nutshell is the Bader framework, and uh, for mm -hmm. folks who are interested um, they can well, learn more about that on my in my book behind every good decision uh, as well as on our website if they want to go and look at airing.com they can find a lot of use cases and uh, case studies on you know why we believe this works and 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 many 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 organizations many fortune 1000 have already adopted it this framework as their um, as their common language and i actually wanted to uh, ask you about that so i'm seeing on your website that uh, this framework is adopted by uh, Apple, Google, GE, PayPal, Adobe, SAP, eBay, um, and many, many more companies. Like, um, 
how how did you get this framework uh, into these companies uh so not not all companies that you spoke about and and not 100% of them are adopting it as as you say but many organizations are adopting it much widely and some organizations are adopting it within for example customer support group or marketing group and so on uh but uh but the way the so i mean one one is that we you know after many years of being pestered by my students i wrote this book and basically put the entire bother framework and made it open source so many many data scientists and business users are picking up the book and it has a step by step guide so they are picking it up and they're adopting it and then as and when they need further detail more detailed help um they reach out to us so so even our non customers are using it and we are not we may not be even aware of them so that's that's gotcha. the uh, gotcha. the other thing is um it's a very i mean it's a it's a recipe based approach you know it's like um i don't know uh, kirill do you do you cook uh yes love to cook loves to cook okay so do you know how to make uh, falafel uh falafel no i don't know how to make falafel okay so that's a tricky one so let's say you are going to you're thinking about oh i'm going to make falafel mm-hmm. how do you what do you what would you, what would help you the most now that you have to make falafel um like a recipe on how to make falafel I there think. you go right so you you a recipe and then the first time you make do you think you'll get it perfect? I know of course not. First right. time always <laughs> not perfect. <laughs> Because you're still understanding hey you know I'm going to you know uh, soak chickpea and I'm going to you know um, uh, grind it how 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 fine I grind it yeah. and then how what will be the consistency of that you know as I drop it into the uh, to fry in in oil as I drop those balls how how you know how thick they need to be how viscous or how liquidy they need to be so there's a lot of details that you're going to get the first time you're going to make you know you're going to get the detail and you'll see the output and the same way if you have to learn data science what would help you the most um a, a course a book uh, a guide a, a learning path yes and a recipe mm-hmm. uh, whatever a course is about recipe or a book is about recipe a recipe a recipe something that tells me do this and then do this and then do this and these are the ingredients and do this and then do this right so and the first time i i do that i'll i'll get somewhat like get some understanding the second time and the third time so the way we have uh, structured our courses and and for your listeners who are interested they can go on academy.aring.com and find these courses we um we are all about how to how to bake a cake how to make a falafel kind of recipe so we start we share this whole bother framework and by the time they are done with even the level 1 course which is the business analytics course they have done this framework they have baked them baked the cake and they have cooked the falafel at least three times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then uh, following that they work on a project which means okay great you have done this in uh you know simulated data or you know you've done that in in data which was fairly clean now let's do this in real world in your real world so for data for current data scientists who are in their currently employed we tell them okay pick up a pick up a uh, you know pick up a project within your own workflow or for future data scientists who enroll with us we give them our one of our client projects and thereby they get to practice again the same framework so they know exactly what they're doing they you know as we put them in a client situation or they pick up a project they know how to follow the bother framework and we are there as their mentor at different points at the analysis plan stage at the insight stage at the recommendation stage because we you know they know what they're doing we know exactly what they should be following so we can course correct and that's the fastest way i have found to learn 
learned data science is using some kind of recipe, some kind of, you know, a step-by-step method of, you know, this is how it works. Now, as you get advanced in it, you can start using shortcuts, you can start using like, you know, iterations and, and so on and so forth, right? And so you can think about, you know, your, you start with your common, simple vanilla cake, and then you can start adding some, you know, I'm going to today make some nuts and raisins, and I'm going to today make some icing, and I'm going to layer it up, and I'm maybe I'm one day I'm going to be able to make tiramisu, and you know, all of that, right? So you're going to be able to advance your, your skills. And, and this step-by-step way of learning is, you know, recipe-based and then step-by-step use case-based um, approaches, um, what I recommend for people to learn data science. Gotcha. Wow. Thank you for the rundown. So let's talk a bit about more, a bit more about your courses. So um, I noticed you have, uh, for those, by the way, for those interested, the website is Aring, A-R-Y-N-G. So, and this is the course are at academy.aring.com. Uh, I noticed you have quite a few interesting courses. Um, and what I wanted to find out is the, these are high ticket items. So like over a thousand dollars per course. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your X factor? So what is it that students can pick up from this course that will um, really make it worthwhile for them? Are you subscribed to the Data Science Insider? Personally, I love the Data Science Insider. It is something that we created, so I'm biased, but I do get a lot of value out of it. Uh, Data Science Insider, if you don't know, is a free, absolutely free newsletter, which we send out into your inbox every Friday. Very easy to subscribe to. Go to superdatascience.com slash DSI. And what do we put uh, together there? Well, our team goes through the most important updates of the past week or maybe several weeks and finds the news related to data science and artificial intelligence. You can get swamped with all the news, even if you filter it down to just AI and data science. And that's why our team does this work for you. Our team goes through all this news and finds the top five, simply five articles that you will find interesting for your personal and professional growth. Uh, They are then summarized, put into one email, and at a click of a button, you can access them Look through the summaries. You don't even have to go and read the whole article. You can just read the summary and be up to speed with what's going on in the world. And if you're interested in what exactly is happening in detail, then you can click the link and read the original article itself. I do that almost every week myself. I go through the articles and sometimes I find something interesting. I dig into it. So if you'd like to get the updates of the week in your inbox, subscribe to the Data Science Insider absolutely free at superdatascience.com slash DSI. That's superdatascience.com slash DSI. And now let's get back to this amazing episode. Yeah, so there are courses and there are certifications. And our certifications are like, for example, let's pick up one, which is the data scientist, the future data scientist certification. Uh, and what it has is a, a complete tup to nuts mm-hmm. of how you can transition your career to data science. And so it'll, it'll have the underlying courses. So, you know, and it's self-paced. So you come in and you log in and you, uh, you, you know, we recommend one section a, a week or uh, if you have more time, one section a day and, you know, make progress. And then after you're done with that um, and, and while you're doing that, we have community. So you're posting questions in Facebook community and, and you also have a monthly, uh, monthly mentoring sessions directly with us live on Zoom. 
uh, and thereby you are able to log in and ask your questions live as well as post your questions non-live 24 by 7 on Facebook community. So lots of interaction. Students are helping each other. So there's a community that you have. There's a learning that you're doing of the fundamental framework, rather, and you're learning it in you know context of marketing and product of of you know if if something happens in this like this in hospital, what what how are you going to do it? If this is happening in binary, what are you how are you going to think about optimizing ROI and so on? Lots of different use cases. We are opening their blinders and we are giving them uh, a toolkit of things, mm. tools that they can use. Then the next part of it is yeah, putting sorry. it into sorry, putting it into context, putting education into context. I'm just thinking of. What can students uh, take away that they can um, in, enact in their own learning? And it sounds like putting education, uh, data science into context, like you said, in a hospital, in a winery or somewhere else, uh, it, that helps uh, probably retention, also helps understanding the topic better. Yeah, and then follow that up with a real project. So they all work, all of these certifications have a project at the end. So it's all fine and dandy when you learn something, you know, how many of us have gone and, and go, gone and done this, uh, you know, in the corporate world, really, I mean, we are taking classes all the time, you come in, you even do a half day offsite for leadership, and you go, uh, go out there and you say, wow, that was amazing. That's so inspiring. You come back and it's business as usual. Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. That's the, true. For the business to be not as usual, for you to interrupt that, 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 um, that way of thinking and to really change manage. You need to bring it to bed, bring it to bring it home with you, which means um, you need to tie it to a project. And I can't tell you how many people I mean, I've seen people just flower from, oh, I'm very, very nervous about data science to, OK, I've done the course. I'm still not sure to now I'm doing a live project with a client and, oh, I get this part. Oh, I can go review. I'm stuck in this part. I can go review this video, whatever else. And then when they're done with the course, they have delivered a final model, final insights to the client and the client is really happy. I, I've seen people go from, I am so nervous to all the way like, I get it, I can do it, right? Mm, so sure. that's so, what it, you know. So in the courses, they will have actual live projects with clients, is that the case? In the certifications, so they yeah. have, they have, people have op, uh, options of just uh, just taking course courses like a la carte and they can, you know, they can learn on their own time and do courses. What we recommend is uh, the certifications which has uh, projects at the end um, with with us as live mentors and with live clients mm -hmm. again all working remotely we have we have um, students logging in from Nigeria to Australia to of course a lot more, big percentage of them are in, um, in US um, as well as all all throughout Europe uh, and so um, they're working remotely but uh, with with live client and with us live as in the mentoring session. And once they're done with that, they have the confidence, hey, I understand the fundamentals of data science and I can apply it to solve problem. And I've seen the end-to-end -end of at least one project all by myself or with gotcha. my team. And then for people who are looking to transition, we have mentoring sessions of, you know, step number one, do, a, do your targeting of your job. All the things that you've learned, now, now let's apply it to job, job search. Targeting of your job, uh, you know, making your resume to your target profile because a lot of times people think oh now i have certificate i've done this certification let me add this one line item to my resume and now i'm an analyst that's if you're looking to transition your career your your uh, resume needs to transition as well mm -hmm. it needs to now tell a story of you as an analyst you as a data scientist so that's the second that's the second mentoring session we have and the third one is how do you interview and how do you ace that mm -hmm. right so we have follow on end-to-end -end process where, where we are holding hand 
and making sure that the people cross over to the other side. And that basically increases the success rate. So for people who are looking to transition, uh, that's a huge success rate. We also have a similar certification for current data scientists. Again, with the project and with this this kind of learning mm. and handholding, they get the confidence that they can do it and then they are able to do it and then they see the stakeholder alignment. They see what what happens to people once they deliver the kind of project the way we are talking about. And we have gotten so many letters, I can't tell you, like, Yanka, you won't believe I got invited to this meeting where I was never being invited mm-hmm. after this after this project. And yes, if you're going to align with stakeholders, if you're going to use this framework and make sure that you're doing the decision science part, you start to appear as a partner versus as a, a downstream, somebody who takes order. So it changes the world altogether when you start you know, doing things in the way that can engage people in the right mm-hmm. way. And same for citizen analysts. So our, our approach is sort of end-to-end. We are, I'm all about I'm all about results. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for me, even like, you know, any algorithm, any math, any statistics is useless mm-hmm. until it gets me results. Mm-hmm. And so for me, again, as I as I guide, I've guided thousands of students with this transition. I, mean, I also have a book, another book. Sorry, I'm like bombarding folks with another book, Acing Your Analytics Career Transition, which is right now because of COVID, we made it free. It's on Amazon. It's called Acing Your Analytics Career Transition. And and it's a very quick read on Kindle. So it's like a 40-page read or something. And it, ha- it lays out these steps, step, step by step. And whether they, whichever program they choose to go, whatever else, you, you need to follow a step-by-step method of, of really transitioning. You can't follow a haphazard path and expect that, you know, your career would be of that of a data scientist, you know, by just uh, taking courses here, courses there. I mean, take courses, but in the context of identifying what your target is, back calculate, look at your own resume, figure out the gap. So all of that is there in the in the book. And hopefully that will be a good guide for some of your listeners. Amazing. Thank you. Very cool that you made it free. Um, that is uh, very admirable. Maybe probably will help lots of people. So yes. We uh, talk about the, this these courses. Very interesting. So this certification is something that... Uh, you are actually organizing internally. I haven't seen that before, so that is very cool. Tell me a little bit about your SWOT data science. So SWOT, uh, I've, uh, I, I know the SWOT framework as WOT, uh, strength, weakness, opportunities, threats for business. But your, you have a framework, another framework, <laughs> in addition to your badger framework called SWAT. What does that stand for, and how does it work? Uh, sorry, so that's not a framework. That's just saying. Um, so this is going back to my days. Um, in PayPal, uh, I was heading up business analytics there for North America, um, and before that, I was he- part of uh, leading product product analytics for um, merchant consumer on the product side at PayPal. And uh, at that time, at, through some uh, series of uh, projects that I did and, and the credibility I won, I I and my team became became like a SWAT team. You know, the SWAT team, um, ah, uh, you uh, know, yeah. who, who come in and when when things don't then when things are not going to, you know, things are complex situation, you know, a SWAT team is parachuted into that situation and they can control it and they can, you know, get stuff done. So we became, we turned out, we came to be known as a SWAT team because I, and it was a pretty small team that I led. Um, it was here as well as international. Uh, and yet we came to be known as a SWAT team. And uh, and the reason was, and, and what that meant was even if, you were, even if we were part of product product analytics, you know, if there's a problem in Omaha in customer support, um, I would be called in and be saying, leave everything, drop everything. This is urgent. Come into this meeting. 
and take this over and next for the next one month this is what you're focusing on and i'm doing results mm. by monday april 22nd right yeah <laughs> so that was how, how it used to be and and i recognized and i was used to wonder like what is it that made us a swat team you know what is it that 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 we got i mean there were lots of data science team at that point what was it that got people us that got us that much credibility that got us you know uh, we didn't have any extra special tool we used the same tool that you know most other data scientists had and we we recognized the the power was us us our hypothesis driven method this bader framework that i left after i left um, paypal i i sort of formalized was what i was doing internally in my head and my team was doing it because i was teaching them as i onboarded my data scientist i would teach them this method not in this framework the way it is but i would in, inherently teach them this mm-hmm. framework and what this do, does is it gets results quicker so for example today for our for our clients we can get a a really high end very good accuracy highly functioning machine learning model in about 8 to 9 weeks and no other consulting companies can and and that's very lean like you know consulting team of 2 to 3 people mm-hmm. we can produce machine learning models so quickly mm-hmm. uh same for ai ai stuff or deep learning models and the reason is that because we are hypothesis driven and we do a fair bit of the same bader framework uh we do a fair bit of work up up front aligning stakeholders so not only does our we produce work fast but our the pro, the percentage of time our work get gets used is also really high and that was the same thing for me when i was at paypal almost every model or every um project we worked on uh, went on to produce millions of dollars of impact and and had a amazing uh you know shelf life meaning amazing like some of the models were operational after 3 years or 4 years and the reason was uh this, you mean still time, still operational after three years they were operational and they were they were Oof. they still fall in the foundation of many things because we did a lot of work on the decision science aspect the the stakeholder alignment we really understood the question and then we were hypothesis driven so all this framework that we followed this gave us one is it gives us gave us acceleration second is because we were so success metric driven because this is that is inbuilt into our framework we were almost always you know the the stakeholders could not wait to act on our insights instead of us having to influence and go after them and saying you know this is what we need to do they were they could not wait it's like a it's like a relay race they were they were jumping up and down ready to take the baton from us which mm-hmm. rarely happens and, and the third thing was uh, because we did a whole lot of work um, because we were hypothesis driven really really we were really really fast mm-hmm. so that same analogy then i took over when i went to uh, eight and a half years ago when i started airing i took that same analogy and you know i basically framed the team our whole philosophy is similar uh it's all about rapid roi and also practical data science we are not about find the sky fairy tale data science you know give us all your data we are going to help you monetize it and it will take you take over months and months and you know we'll keep trickling some insights to you for us it's all about practical data science what data do you have right now uh what are the decisions you're looking to make and how can we get you the fastest uh go to market with that gotcha. wow pianka this is one of the like <laughs> most saturated podcasts i can't keep up with you you have so many ideas so many things um i'm just going to jump to the next question i had for you so in one of your videos you talked about 
um, analytics projects. And this ties in quite well with what we just discussed, that uh, having a hypothesis at the start of your uh, analysis, before you even start your analysis by asking those business questions and doing the analysis plan according to this batter framework, come out with the hypothesis, hypothesis and then only moving to data collection, deriving insights and recommendations. So doing those first two steps, coming up with a hypothesis, helps your analytics projects be more relevant and, and increase success. In one of your videos, you said that uh, a huge percentage of data science and analytics projects actually fail. Like I, I could not uh, believe the like the how low the percentage of successful projects yeah. was. Could you could you walk us through that again, please? <laughs> yeah, and and it's 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 uh, it's dismal. Um, you know, uh, Gartner published a, a report, um, I think two years ago in 2017 or three years ago, which then they later corrected to even file. They basically said that 85 percent of big data. Uh, or data science project. And by the way, this whole space is about $200 trillion investment mm. that goes in. And that, of that- Trillion, $200 trillion. trillion into analytics. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Meaning I'm, I'm talking about like the big, big, big space of data science and uh, big data, all, all the infrastructure investment and so on. So, and then let me correct, it's $200 billion plus dollar investment that goes in overall, world over globally. Um. Mm -hmm. uh, and and of that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Gartner predicted less than 85% of them actually um, drive an impact. So 85% plus projects actually fail. Meaning mm -hmm. fail meaning they get instrumented or they get sit in a shelf somewhere. Nobody uses them, uh, or they get abandoned halfway through. Whatever else, you know, they just they just fail. They like they could even and, look like a success. Like we derive the insights, but nobody's using those insights. Nobody's using it because you build the best of the model. And this, by the way, is the biggest pet peeve. I I keynote many at many conferences, and one of the conferences I keynote as is predictive analytics world. And some of the data science, you know, the top data scientists come to these conferences, and their biggest. You know, and I ask, I often start with my keynote saying, "Oh, how many of you have worked on on data science project?" and um, it didn't go anywhere and almost all hands go up. It's mm -hmm. one of the biggest pet peeves of data scientists. Like I built the most amazing, lowest misclassification, high accuracy model, but my stakeholders are not listening. They have moved on to something else mm -hmm. um, or whatever reason. So, so as for Gartner, it was like 85%, right? And then, um, and then some other, uh, uh, you know, experts came in and they did the, some CIO.com, for example, published some other reports which said, you know, of, of the ones which even get finished and get what are deemed successful, uh, less than 15% of them actually drive any significant impact. So mm -hmm. you, by the time you do all this math, it's looking like, you know, of the 200 billion plus investment, we're talking about 2%. 2% is actually driving any impact, mm. which is abysmal. This is like horrible and 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 but it is real and i have seen this live and that again goes back to my world when i used to go back you I know mean, going back to my paypal world and now also in my uh, my role at airing and our client work i mean clients pay for data science work so you would think that our probability of success would be higher mm -hmm. but i can't tell you how many times we are coming into project halfway through or somewhere even end through where, where it's going nowhere from, from some other consulting companies or whatever else, and, and the companies come and say, this is going nowhere. They said, oh, we have already attempted it. It has failed. Can you correct it now? Mm -hmm. And and often one project that has failed has taken months to fail also. So it's mm -hmm. not like you've failed fast and, and the stakeholders have found out you've failed. It's like, 
oh, we were looking at the this using NLP, we were looking at, uh, you know, improving our refund or uh, return rates. This is automotive, automotive part. Um, and, uh, you know, we did this large scale analysis. It took us like six to eight months. And, you know, and we, we realized that we, because of this and this and this and this and this reason, we can't get in any lift and we can't, uh, the, the uh, you know, the model which was built is not operational. Um, we asked them to recorrect that, no, all of that. Like there's issues, mm-hmm. issues galore. And it, it took them eight months. So there's so much failure and so much money getting wasted, so much time getting wasted. Uh, all because, um, I, and there are lots of main reasons. The man, main reasons for failures uh, that I have seen is lack of data maturity, which means people are not even believing the data or, or, or getting the data out is, is itself a, it's like, you know, it's, it's like uh, putting your hand in a lion's mouth and getting something out mm-hmm. of that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really, really hard. Uh, data science rigor is often low. People often have data scientists who think, uh, who start from the step D and do part of I and they call it done, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't do the end to end. Often organizations don't have uh, an engagement model between business and data science. Um, sometimes they don't even have, <clears throat> well, this is more common. I mean, lack of enterprise data literacy is a, is a big pro- big one where, you know, the data science team is good. They are producing insights, but the organization, the marketing, the product, they they don't understand data science. They are wary of data. And so you give them a machine learning model, they are not believing it. Mm. Could I I just jump in here? This is an interesting topic because um, on data literacy, because according to you, data culture consists of three things. Data literacy is one of them. What are the two others? I'm just curious. So there are four D's of data culture. Oh, four uh, actually. Four D's, yeah. And it the four, so the data literacy, uh, data data literacy is one of them. Uh, but the most important or the foundation on which data culture sits is data maturity, mm-hmm. right? The data maturity being, do I have easy and appropriate access to single source of truth for all, right? So mm-hmm. a data scientist needs a different access, uh, a, a marketing manager needs a different access. But do I have appropriate access to single source of truth, or do I or an easy access? Mm-hmm. Or does it take me forever? Like, oh, I click this button, I wait 10 minutes. Do you think your marketing manager is going to wait 10 minutes to get that report? No, they're going to start finding shortcuts. Oh, I have, you know, this Excel report that comes in from the other system. Maybe I'm going to look at that, whatever else. So data maturity is the critical. It's the foundation of if you are looking to establish a culture of data, you need to get some degree of data maturity. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our scale of 0 to 10, at least 7 or above, and then mm-hmm. you'll be functional. Mm-hmm. Second part is data literacy. Now that you have access to data, do the op, do the people know what to do with data? You've given access to the the marketing managers, the product managers, the operations people, the customer support people. They have access to data. When the customer calls in, they have access to data, uh, not only about uh, what this customer's history is, how much they've spent, and all of that. Uh, now, do they know what to do with it? Do yeah. they even know what to, the customer support call center agent? They see their own call performance data. Uh, you know, their, um, uh, their uh, like average hold time, average speed of answers, whatever else. Do they know what to do with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do, the, do, the, do the supervisors know what to do with it? So, so that's data literacy. When, when appro- appropriate level have appropriate, when, when people have appropriate level of data literacy, the right level for them, 
and they are able to use the data effectively to make decision at their level to be able to use that in discussions to do drive conclusion then your organization has appropriate appropriate level of data literacy and currently data literacy is really low in organizations we have we have gone into organizations where data data literacy is less than 2% less than 3% of people are at the right level of data literacy um and in the best case scenario maybe 10% 15% of the people are going to be at the right level of data literacy still 80% don't have the right skills wow. at the right at their wow. at their level that's crazy right? what are the other two d's the other two d's are um, data driven leadership so if the leadership is does not have a vision for a data driven organization they don't are they not holding their team accountable to use data to drive decision they are not do using something like zero based budgeting you give me the money that's when you get the money and so on then that organization cannot be cannot have a data driven culture because the uh, the you know the the leadership itself is not embodying it and they don't necessarily see it as an asset and the last one which ties all of this together is data driven decision making process mm-hmm. so if you don't have data in a uh, in a structured decision making process if data is not part of the decision making process then you can do data all you like you can build models all you like but the decisions are getting made in made in a parallel track almost independent of data and and you of course your organization will not be able to leverage the data and will not be data driven so these are the four four d's i'm going to summarize it data maturity data literacy data driven leadership and decision making process wow very very interesting i i know we're going to have to wrap up soon uh, but i have one more question for you uh sure. you mentioned decision science mm-hmm. what is the difference between decision science and data science that's a great question um and that is again going back to the power of bader framework or power of why a swat team works wherever they work is is um analytics or data you know analytics or putting data to work has two components there's data science and decision science data science is the aspect all the as all the algorithmic aspects of the things you need to do to 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 uh, or technical aspects to do the you know the technical analysis collection of data uh, you know identification of the data type you need uh, setting up your null hypothesis and all of that that is all data science decision science is all the things that you need to do to make sure that those insights that you produce goes towards impact which means the business considerations the stakeholder um uh, you know constraints and communications uh timelines the realities of the business that is all decision science so the the science that addresses all of those and incorporates that uh into decision uh, into data science is decision science and when you marry the data science with decision science you get the power of data fantastic love it love it will will end on that i think this was a, an amazing uh excursion into the world of data science i have a lot to process after this uh before we go pianka could you please uh tell our help our listeners where can they find you for you get to know more about aring if they'd like to explore this space further sure so they can uh connect with me on linkedin or follow me on linkedin mm-hmm. uh and my name if they look up priyanka jain and airing airing is a company name a r y n g they can uh, they can find us either through linkedin or airing or they can also follow me on twitter mm-hmm. uh my hashtag is analytics queen fantastic um and of course uh, pick up the book the sounds very exciting behind every good decision great reviews yes. on amazon love it yes. uh, what inspired you to write the book um 
I wish it was I wish it was an inspiration but it was more of a more of a forcing factor so we were at that point we were doing lots of public workshops and every a workshop that we would do or we would conclude people would be by the time the you know the day 4 day 5 people our students would be pestering us that do you have a book do you have a book and uh-huh. i said we don't have a book and i of course for one reason i was always i always thought oh who has time to write a book i mean i wouldn't yeah. even know what to start and i'm i'm in a natural speaker but like writing is not that easy for me so i said well i'm i don't think i'm not i'm not sure but then that kept repeating over and over and you just, you know like they somebody planted a seed and it starts and then right around that time wiley had called us like wiley reached out out of the blue and also riley and they said oh we're thinking of publishing a book uh, would you like to write something along this line and we, yeah. i was like it is all coming together <laughs> <laughs> so i said okay well i don't know what it takes but we can attempt it and um, by golly i mean um my my because i'm all about practical it took us a took us a while to get it's a, to the level that i wanted it's a big process right writing a book it it's, was a big process it was a big process it was a big process because and i had a team i had uh, my co-author puneet uh, sharma who i as my colleague at paypal uh, who's now at google uh great guy um we collaborated together and he and i very mu- are very much in alignment with how we see the power of data so that was great but then you know none of us are writers and so yeah. we had to find some really good editor who could edit out edit you know really put uh, put content in in perspective for for users to uh, to understand because we were saying a lot of things but but it, you know if we are technical somebody has to call us out on it that mm-hmm. hey it's not making sense and so my friend um my dear friend lakshmi came about on a hike one of the hikes we were doing uh, up pgni here uh she started talking about to me and she is is not vocation by vocation she is not a writer so i had not never thought of her but as we as we hike that steep 4 mile up which you know it's a very tricky hike because every every turn you think oh i'm almost to the top but it takes you a while it's a pretty <laughs> steep hike and she got the entire gist of what we were trying to do and this one chapter she i mean like i was basically uh, kind of like uh, whining to her that hey i hired this editor and they they are correcting our english but taking taking the content out it's 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 not working well and since she started talking to me and then the way she sort of reframed what i was saying i was like oh do you have time to work on this project with us <laughs> and she thankfully did and it was it was and that time i was pregnant and also she was pregnant and it was so funny and then puneet was stuck in between two pregnant ladies who were <laughs> like you know our hormones are high and we are trying to collaborate in this project over phone over live you know and and then eventually but the, and then we hired a, a graphic design team because uh, we are both very busy I love the images in your book they're so Isn't good it? so like the one with the sharks hello data science that is so funny yeah. you got some really cool illustrations yeah thank you and we hired the one of the best teams because i am all very visual and i said you know i don't want to write a dry book that yeah. you know i want to make it fun and so we got this team together and finally what came out i was happy with Uh, and then it, you know got published so i know you asked me a short question it's a long answer <laughs> no no love it love it i i highly recommend like i i big believer in this my my own book is also about helping people to get into data science this sounds like it's a it's a different perspective you introduced a better framework there i think it's a fantastic uh, book to pick uh, for people to pick up uh definitely check it out it's available on amazon um yeah looks like a great thank book thank you Thank you so much Carol it was it was a pleasure talking to you and such a such a um, you know such a joy having this conversation Thank you Bianca yeah like lots to process I think we might need to do a second podcast sometime down the line 
absolutely would love to. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Pianka Jane, President and CEO of Aring. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and got a lot of value out of it. I know uh, it probably felt like drinking out of a fire hose. Pianka has so much knowledge, so much information in the space of analytics. That's why I said at the end that probably we need to do a second episode to dive deep into specific topics here. Uh, I had so many interesting favorite parts here. I love the discussion about what data culture is, the four components, the difference between data science and decision science, always an interesting topic. Uh, probably my biggest favorite out of all of them uh, was the hypothesis-based approach to data science. I think that is a, a very refreshing approach rather than just diving in and trying to solve everything, trying to boil the ocean. Uh, we all know that you need to ask the right questions, but this hypothesis-based based, uh, data science actually takes it to a whole new level. So. Uh, if you're interested in learning more, check out the Badder uh, framework. As usual, you'll find the show notes at superdatascience.com slash 363. That's superdatascience.com slash 363. There you'll find any links and materials we mentioned on the episode, including Bianca's book or books, I should say. Uh, one one uh, which you can purchase on Amazon. I think one she said is free. Uh, then you can find Bianca's courses there. You can find Bianca's uh, company uh, if you want to do any consulting projects with her. And of course, LinkedIn, Twitter, everywhere else where you can follow Bianca. Bianca does uh, quite a bit of keynotes around the world, uh, probably also in virtual events. So make sure to follow her and maybe you can attend one of the events, upcoming events with her as well. And uh, on that note, if you know anybody who would benefit from this podcast, make sure to send them the link, superdatascience.com slash 363. Very easy to share. And maybe you can help somebody become an even better data scientist by applying some of the methods that we spoke about today. Thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate you spending this hour with us and taking the time to tune into the Super Data Science podcast. Hope we delivered on bringing you an amazing guest once again. And... I will see you back here next time. Until then, happy analyzing.